looking to do in this series. Uh, the goal for the series is this. Let me put it before you. It is to see the world the way God sees it so that our lives might be redefined by his definitions. Our goal is to gain a higher perspective on life. We considered what it was to be blessed. That you can be suffering, that you can feel broken, and you can still be blessed according to God. Last week we took a look at greatness. And it was the Oscar week, and we talked about movie stars. And, and we said Oscar greatness and, and greatness in this world is not about Adina Menzel singing Let It Go. She won the Oscar. Or Adina Nazim, or I don't know her name. right? Um, but greatness is actually living for Christ and teaching others to do the same. That is true greatness. Well, today we come upon maybe the most loaded and used word that we have in the English language, which is the word love. And I think it comes at a very fitting time, um, because this week on TV there is a season finale all about love. Maybe some of you know who I'm talking about. This show is, is not, it's not meant for me. I'm not the target audience. But uh, this week, the season finale of... The Bachelor. And so we have this man, Juan Pablo. And we ask, is this love? Is dating 16 women at a time and going on an endless vacation, which is really true to life, right? Um, is this what lasting love is all about? Well, you don't have to be skeptical. Statistics prove it isn't true love. Out of 17 bachelors, do you know there's only two that are still with uh, their, their other person? Okay. And we have other ideas of love, maybe not uh, the Bachelor version, maybe romantic comedy version of love. Um, you have Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and You've Got Mail, which, as a side note, you should never tie anything to the technology of the time, because does anyone still use AOL? Does anyone, right? That's gone. It'd be like eHarmony or something. But You've Got Mail, and two enemies, two bookstore owners, and they get together. Another interesting thing about romantic comedies, it's always about the pursuit. It's always about the hunt. No one ever has a romantic comedy of like couples who've been married for 20 years and are working it out, you know? It's always about that interesting infatuation period of where the, the fires are high, right? And I think anyone can do that. If you have a pulse, you can fall in love, another person said. But maybe more than this is your own examples of love. Maybe you know of, of, of real, true life stories of a, a couple who's been together maybe 50 years or 20 years. Maybe a grandparent or a parent that were great examples of what it was to have marital love in a relationship. I think maybe most naturally is, is love that we have for our children. Like you don't even have to train parents how to love their kids. It's natural. I want to do what I can for this child. I want to sacrifice. I want to do all within my power so that this child knows my love. Maybe even giving my life for my child. And so you can tell me stories. You can think of the greatest pictures of earthly love. But here's a problem, I believe. And the problem is this. That earthly love, even at its best, all the examples... Yes, Juan Pablo, even at its best, falls short of God's idea when it comes to love. You don't believe me? Let's get into it. We're considering Jesus' sermon, uh, the great Sermon on the Mount, and uh, it, it has so much about how we are to love those around us. And let's see how deep love goes based on God's definition. Matthew chapter 5, middle of page 6. You have heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that, those without God. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this is radical. Love your enemies. I mean, my goodness, that sounds impossible. And I believe as we explore this, we're going to find two things. We're going to find great comfort and great challenge as we consider God's directives. But first, let's get a landscape. I think one of the reasons that some people have said this is crazy love, this is even impossible, is the normalcy when it comes to what love is. And so let's consider different scales of love. I have a love scale created for you today that we're going to explore different degrees of what it is to show love. Now, in the love scale, at the very top, that's the least amount of love way up there, um, at the very top are mean people. Now, None of you are mean because you're here today, right? Um, but, but you might know some people. We call them rough around the edges or abrasive. They exist, and they're at the very top of what love isn't um, as far as that goes. There, there are mean people out there, right? Well, next category is what most people we refer to as, which are nice, right? Uh, you can tell about Bob and Sarah, and they like seafood too, and aren't they just great? And they're just, they're just nice, right? Now I'm going to get real technical, and we're going to move from nice, and this is real technical, write this down, to super nice, right? And super nice people, I mean, you just love to be around them. They're pleasant. They're encouraging. Um, they, they always seem to be doing something admirable. And it's, it's a slimmer majority here. You know, we're talking about the super nice people. It's just, just awesome. Going further, we have those who forgive those who hurt you. Now, the reason this is past nice is because you can stop being nice and even super nice if you're hurt. And I've seen that happen. If you're hurting, super nice people don't always be nice. And so you're, you're further in love if you forgive those who hurt you. Going further, you forgive them again. This reminds me of Peter. who goes up to Jesus and says, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven? No, seven times 77. You keep forgiving. If you're willing to keep forgiving, man, you, you've reached a new depth of love when they did it again and again. Now, at this point, I believe God is saying, you know, you can do a lot of these things without him. Like, you can be nice and super nice without God. Look at the verses. Verse 45, um, you know, it says, sorry, verse 46, are not even tax collectors loving those people who love them? And then it goes on, are not even those without God or pagans greeting those who greet them? And so you don't even know, need God to, to be nice, super nice, maybe even forgive. The love scale goes deeper. Whole different page. Mother Teresa would be at the top, right? She's really good at love. And then even past the love scale is love the enemies, right? And we look at the scale of things, and, and some of us might say, Pastor, I would settle if this person in my life was just nice. Like, if they got to that point, I'd be happy, right? Um, some of us might say, you know, maybe I am that, or maybe I'm different levels, but, but God says, no, I want you to go the full length today. I want you to go with what some people call crazy and impossible, and love even your enemies. So how do we do this? How is this possible? Well, to consider this, we first need to define who is our enemy. Let's consider that. I remember in high school, um, approaching my locker one day. I loved my locker. I decorated it with all different passages even, trying to, trying to pursue Christ even in high school. And I opened my locker one day, and I, I noticed that inside, someone had 
hocked a loogie all over my backpack. Now that's gross, isn't it? And it was big and it was massive. Now I'm just really grossing you out, right? And so I open that locker and I say, someone wants to be my enemy. Someone is trying to get me down. And I didn't have love my enemies there as a passage in my locker, but I knew this is what I was supposed to do. And I'm like, but that's gross. Like, how do you even go up cleaning that up? I don't want to touch that. Yeah. And then I consider other enemies. Okay, so that's my enemy. I consider the world. If you've been keeping up with the news, you know that the United States is getting very hostile with which country? Russia. And these seem like classic enemies. I mean, the Cold War wasn't that long ago, and so it seems like a classic distinction to have the United States, you know, kind of at odds with Russia. Some other classic enemies that, that I wanted to just put before you. So we got Russia and the United States, which draws to one of my favorite movies, which is Rocky versus Drago, you know. Um, others on a different level, Aladdin and Jafar. Um, you have the American Girl Place and Any Dad, right? And, and that's kind of how you feel in that store. I googled dad and that's what came up. Like, isn't there like a bolder picture of dad? I guess that's dad. All right. And then there is the Cubs and the Sox. I mean, we know what enemies are, right? Um, we're familiar. We get the idea. And I have defined enemy two ways. There's two parts to being an enemy in my mind. The first, you do the opposite of what you want. So your enemy is working against you, doing the very opposite of what you want. And second, they, they do want to hurt you or, or they actually go through it. So the person who spit in my locker did the opposite of what I wanted and they actually did get me down. It hurt my feelings. Right. And then I transitioned to the spiritual realm. And I look at that definition and one of the things that will strike you right away is that you and I are the enemies of God. You and I come into the world born enemies. We're, we're a classic case of what an enemy is. Because what do we do? We do the opposite of what he intends. God says, honor your father and mother. In fact, all those in authority. And what do we do? We fail. God says, I want you to put me above everything. And we look at our priorities at times and fail. God says, I want, to love you. I want you to love others in such a way that you forgive them and are willing to forgive at any notice. And you say, but God, you don't understand how hard that is. I can't forgive. I won't forgive. No, God, I'm not going to do that. Fail. God looks down at you and I. Born enemies. If you and I were God, what should he do? What's the natural response? Let's consider what's natural. If I have two brothers who are siblings, let's, let's put just two brothers against, and, and I tell one brother to hit the other brother, what does the other brother want to do? What's natural? And I would never tell them to do that, right? I'm the pastor. But, but let's say that happens. They hit the other brother. What does the other brother want to do? Hit him back and harder, right? They want to retaliate, and we have a word for that retaliation. It starts with an R, and what is it called? It's called... Revenge! And revenge feels right. Like when I'm taking revenge, it feels justified. Like they got to get what's coming to them. Right? And I'll read like the, the account of Monte Cristo. And, and so he was, you know, put down. And so his whole story is revenge. And it's like, yeah, go get him. He hurts you. Revenge. And no one has to teach you that revenge feels right. You feel that. Got to get him back. God looks down at us. We're enemies. We're hostile. And what should he do? What is, what is the natural thing? He should take revenge. 
You see, he's an almighty God, and that could be scary or comforting. In one sense, it could be scary because he could use and should use his almighty power to exact punishment for all the times we didn't do what we knew to do. Because of our sin, we deserve his punishment. We deserve hell. We deserve the worst of things from our God. But that's not why you and I woke up today. (laughs) And that's not why this church is built. You see, though God could have picked revenge, (laughs) here's the great news that we rally around. Though he had every right for revenge, he chose instead what is completely unnatural. He chose radical love. He chose to have his son bear everything that we deserved. And that's why when we go back to Romans, would you turn there? Romans chapter 5, please turn there with me. If there is the sweetest, sweetest gospel, the pinnacle of the gospel, it is found for us in verse 8 of Romans 5. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means when we were his enemies, when we had no right for his love, when we had done more than hock the loogie in his locker, when we had disobeyed him, when we were exact opposite of what he wanted, that's when he chooses to love. And this could be our banner. In fact, if we had a sign outside that says amazing love, and we should just put Romans 5 verse 8 underneath. You want to know why it's amazing? Because when we were his enemies and he could have taken revenge, he chose radical love. And he sends Jesus. And Jesus takes on everything. The the Lamb of God goes uncomplaining forth to the cross. And why? He goes so he can choose love over hate. So he can choose forgiveness over a grudge. So he can choose peace when there should have been hostility. And that is for you and that is for me this day. Dear friends, if you're new to Christ, what you need to know, and maybe just pause here, is that he loved you when he had no feelings that he should have wanted to. He loved you when he could have exacted revenge. He loved you in spite of everything you did. And that is the goodness of our God. And the reason he now calls us to love our enemies is because when we were his enemy, he loved us. And so we have our greatest comfort tied with our greatest challenge. And we talk about what it is to love. And so knowing how Christ has loved us. Let us just consider how this plays out in our life. And uh, to to talk about this, I wanted you to fill in this phrase. Um, If you shoot for the stars, you'll end up in the... If you shoot for the stars, you'll end up in the... No one knows this one. Clouds! Clouds. If you shoot for the stars, you'll end up in the clouds. Okay, maybe I'm the only one who heard that. And what this means is that if you're a D student in school and you shoot for an A, maybe you'll end up with a B. If you set the bar high enough, you might end up to a good place even though it was maybe not as high as you might wanted to go. I think that when we understand love your enemies, there's a bit of that happening today. If we shoot for loving our enemies, then the stuff below it should become very natural. Right? If that's the expectation, all the other things leading up to that should be natural. And so what I wanted to pause and where I think the clouds are today in God's Word is I just want to talk about the things that should be common for us. I want to talk about loving those that we have every right to love. 
And here I want to just break it down and talk about when people hurt us in the family, when, when people hurt us that are our friends, when people hurt us and they're close to us. I think God is saying, you know where the clouds are today? If they're in your family, if they were your friends, you have no right to bear a grudge. You have no right to hang it over them. You have no right to, to, to not do the love that I have given you. I, I mean, that, that is where the clouds are. We, we should for sure love those who are in our families loving us. And so for some of us, part of this is pausing and saying, maybe there's someone in my life that I need to have a conversation with. And I know about it. I know it's been there for days, months, years. Maybe there's someone in my life that I need to write a letter to. Maybe there's someone in my life that I need to pick up the phone and say, I'm sorry, there's been something between us and I don't want it there any longer. God speaks to us and says, this is love. You and I have no right to bear a grudge. You and I have no right to say it to anyone, I'm not going to forgive. But the crazy love he calls us to, for those who are our enemies, now how do we even possibly reach that height? talk about this, break things up. I want to talk about what's happening in school for my family this past week. We had Spirit Week. Anyone ever have Spirit Week at school? Raise a hand. Love Spirit Week, right? And, um, and one of the days, there's dress-up day and there's like school pride, one of the days was Wacky Wednesday where you try to get your wackiest apparel all together. And I wanted to show a picture of what Wacky Wednesday looked like in the Bloomer household. Here it is. We have Wacky Wednesday. And so Nadia chose that day to wear a grandma wig. And it was awesome and a crazy outfit. My daughter Bella used an old Halloween costume. She was a chicken the whole day, and that's fantastic. And why could they do this? Why could they feel comfortable wearing a wig and dressing up like a chicken? Well, because they had a leader in the cause. Because the wackiest one on Wednesday was Mom. I'm not so crazy. My mom has the flags of the nations in her hair and calls us a headdress. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I can be crazy and ridiculous because mom taught me how and it's okay. That's great. I love it. Crazy things are absorbed by crazy. We, we can know what crazy is by what crazy does in other people. I don't just mean to put my wife on the spot. She, I, gave, I asked permission for this, by the way, so I'm not going to get beat up, hopefully. <clears throat> no. Um, but there's a method of my madness. Let's, let's consider, how do we ever get to the point where we are willing to love our enemies? It doesn't happen without ever taking our eyes off of our leader. We have to be so saturated with the gospel, so saturated with the story of our salvation, that when we were enemies, he forgave us and then enables us to forgive those. How do we sit across a table for someone who hurt us and we know they're junk, and mouth the words and believe it in our hearts that they're forgiven. Well, we have to see that God sat across from you and I. And he knew all the junk. And he says, I forgive you and I release you. That is how we go to work this week and say, you know what? This guy hasn't been nice to me. This person hasn't been nice to me. And I'm not going to be antagonistic anymore. And I'm not going to speak behind their back anymore. Because I know my God had all the junk in front of him and he released it. When I was his enemy. And it means I can go to school. And those kids aren't very nice. In fact, they talk behind my back. And I'm not going to retaliate. And I'm not going to put them down. You know why? Because God knew my junk and he released me. Dear friends, 
being released from sin, we no longer have the right not to release. we got to be real with our relationships and share the radical love that he has shared with us. And how do we act crazy? we got to keep our eyes on crazy, which is our Christ, which is our God. And so there are a couple directives on how practically to do this. Verse 44 is one practical example of how to do this. It says, love your enemies. And what do we do? One of the practical things you do is you use prayer. You come before God in prayer. You, you write that name down and you pray for what's going on. And it's amazing what God can do in your heart and how he can quell your heart if you pray. In fact, to give you a picture of what might happen in your heart if you pray for your enemies, I have a video for you. Watch this video. Simple illustration, but I like it. You want a bridge where you feel a gap? Pray for him and see how God works in your heart. Pray for God to give you wisdom and, and the eyes to look on Christ and what he did on your behalf and see if your heart doesn't start to change. One final consideration before we consider this or leave this is that this means you are to forgive those who don't ask for it. It means you're ready to forgive those who may never approach you who may never know how they hurt you, who may never even care and might even be glad that they hurt you. It means that you're willing to release that hurt even though they never ask for it. Yes, it seems crazy. But that's what Christ did for us. And let me pray for you as we try to continue to fulfill God's desire of love for us. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, would you help me, please help me, to do what I know you're calling me to do. Enable me first to forgive those in my family or friends or those I know I should love. Give me strength to write the letter, to say the words, to pick up the phone. But Lord, also take me to the place where I can love my enemies, to repay hurt with radical love. For I know today this is what you have done for me. You bled and died to show me this radical love and make me your friend, no longer your enemy. Thank you, Jesus, and now help me. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which transcends.